Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market in today's episode. We've got an email from a guy. I'm going to give him the good old Florida redneck name of Billy. And Billy writes, Dear Ryan, Playing off your recent episode where you talk about missing out on the recent market rally, how do you decide how and where to enter into a new trade? The market is insanely overbought, as you know. All resistance levels on SPY and QQQ have been blown through. I don't know what to do personally. Do I look for a top and try to short the pullback, or do I wait for a pullback and try to get long on the market after this insane run higher? Any advice would be appreciated. Sincerely, Billy. Good question, Billy, and I'm happy to answer that. As you know, I'm always pretty forthcoming about my successes and failures in trading, particularly on this podcast. I did a podcast just recently talking about how, man, this epic rally off the lows. You know, I, the rally started when I was just starting to cover my short positions from over the past three months. That was great. I had some really good short positions that I was closing out in, in late October and early November. But then you had this run that was just crazy. You had the FOMC statement, I think it was on November 1st, and you got this huge rally in the last hour of trading. I went ahead and said, you know what? I'm not going to go ahead and trade that last hour. I'll see how the next day opens up and try to trade accordingly. Not expecting like, well, I think it was like a 2% gap higher the next day. Don't hold me to that, but it was a massive, I mean, you just look at the charts. It was a massive gap higher. So I got kind of locked out, pushed out, whatever you want to call it, trying to be able to get in on this market rally. And it was frustrating. Even then the next day, there was another gap. And and holy cow, you just wonder to yourself, where do you get in at? Because by this time, the market's already getting into overbought conditions. And it's been in overbought (laughs) conditions ever since, but yet it still keeps going higher. So the feeling there, and I've had this feeling, I know a lot of traders that's missed the rally has had this feeling as well, is throw in the towel and just get long with them. Better late than never, right, as they people like to say. But it's, it's that very mentality that usually ends up top-ticking markets and, and really p- setting you up for, like, disaster, essentially, for the portfolio because you'll get in at the very high. You're also going to find yourself usually trying to make up for the lost gains by over-trading, by over-positioning yourself in individual trades. You might take out, you know, 30% position sizes instead of your typical 10% position sizes. So you'll you'll make some of these mistakes that will have a dramatic impact, even if there's like a 2 or 3% pullback. So... Yes, we are extremely overbought, two extremes. The stock market oscillator, is, which is a proprietary indicator. I've actually been working on rolling this out to everybody. It's one that I created for myself. It's not like the share planner reversal indicator. This one's a little bit different. It has a range of 0 to 100 with your typical 20 being oversold, 80 being overbought. But it's something I'm actually working on rolling out to the public. Anyways, this indicator, it's sitting at 81 right now. And that's kind of crazy for that indicator. I mean, that's extremely, extremely overbought. And it feels like that we're never going to go back down. 
So then again, do we just short it here because it just seems too high to continue to look? It looked too high two weeks ago. It looked too high a week ago. And you get one day of selling and the next day it's a gap higher. I mean, there's no kind of pullback. There's no consolidation. There's just complete ignorance of risk and total infatuation with reward. And I'd say over the like last week or two in particular, we used to call them fang stocks. That was originally Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. And then you got Microsoft in there, and then you ended up getting NVIDIA and Tesla, and then ended up turning into this really long acronym for F-A-A-N-N-G-M-T. It was like eight, eight letters, right? And now they've narrowed it down to seven, which I'm assuming the seventh means that Netflix got the boot. So they call it the Magnificent Seven or the Mag Seven, and everybody's wanting to use this phrase now because probably people are tired like myself as typing out F-A-A-N-N-G-M-T. But is it Mag Seven really the appropriate name for it? I mean, some of these companies, like you take Apple and, and some of these others, I mean, they got falling revenue, yet increasing stock price. It's kind of magnificent, I guess I would say, but these stocks are, aren't as rosy as everybody's being led to believe. They're being hyped to, to no end. So I think it's more like the FOMO Seven than it is the Magnificent Seven. So I'm just going to call them the FOMO 7, honestly. I have no desire to call them Magnus. It's almost like we're putting them on this like pedestal of like idolatry. It's like, oh, we got to worship at the, at the altar of the Mag 7. No. Because in the end, what's driving it up? Hype, FOMO, pensions. This is all pensions buy for the most part. They're obsessed with this stuff. I've heard from people about how people managing their accounts, they will only buy stocks from the FOMO 7. And if the FOMO 7 ever does... See reality, like NVIDIA has something besides 116 PE, then it'll be the I told you seven. <laughs> but regardless, it feels like this market's never going to go back down again. Every day you wake up, it's up another 70 points on the NASDAQ in the pre-market. And you're thinking, holy cow, this thing's never going to take a breather. And if I would have just bought earlier this week, I would be up 4% or 5%. And that's true. But the problem is, is that there's no real way to, to put the stop losses anywhere logically. Where are you going to put a stop loss at on Microsoft or Apple or Amazon or Netflix and Google. You're, there's no logical place to put a stop loss there. You can put it below the yesterday's lows, I guess. But there's not much of a basis on any of those for putting it below yesterday's lows. When you look at this overall market, look at it in its entirety. You got 11 sectors, guys. The top two sectors, XLK, XLC. That's tech and communications. One's up 48.7% as of today. The other's up 48.3%. Those are massive moves. What's driving those? Well, with tech... You have Apple, that is up 47%. That's a $3 trillion company. Then you have Microsoft, a $2.8 trillion company, up 57%. Actually, 58%, if we're just going to round up to the nearest whole number. And then you have NVIDIA, up 235%. Broadcom's up 74%. Oracle's up 42%. I mean, these are massive, massive companies, but the, the ones to be most consumed with is these trillion-dollar companies. NVIDIA's 1.2, Microsoft 2.8, Apple 3.0. Or three trillion, I guess. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What about the communication sector? Now, one thing about the communication sector that I would remind you about is that for a long time, this was more of like your Verizon, your AT&T's, Disney, charter communications, 
TMUS, but now they've got Google, Meta, and Netflix in there because they're considered communications according to XLC, which is the sector-based communications ETF. So Google's up, this is a $1.7 trillion company, it's up 57%. Then you've got Meta up 183% and Netflix up 62%. So Meta is an $867 billion company while Netflix, I guess they're getting the boot because they're only a $211 billion company out of the Mag 7. But this is your big driver for the communication place. Outside of that, I mean, I think I'm pretty sure that Google is bigger than every stock by itself listed in XLC. That's pretty incredible. So how Google goes, so goes communications. And then you got discretionary, it's up 30%. And that's going to be Amazon up 75%. That's going to be Tesla up 89% on the year. Amazon being a one and a half trillion dollar company, Tesla being a $766 billion company. These are the companies that are moving the market in extraordinary ways. And then the other sectors outside of them, industrials up 7.9%, materials 3.8, and financials up 3%. That's the difference between the other three sectors that are in the green this year versus the first three sectors that I read to you that were all up 30% or more. The others are not even in single digits. And then you have five sectors, real estate, energy, healthcare, staples, and utilities all in the red. Utilities being in the double digits, right? Because who's going to be in utilities when you have tech going up over 48%? Nobody is. And if it wasn't for the rally over the last few weeks, there was only, prior to this rally, there was only three sectors in the green on the year. Three. Think that's a healthy market? It's not. So going back to the question that Billy's asking here, do you short it? No, you could have made the same argument when the tech sector was only up 30% on the year or even 20% on the year. Short it there. I mean, it's really the same rationale. So no, I would not short it. But what I would say, look at it in the bigger context. Will this trajectory, and it's like a 75 degree angle practically on the tech sector, on the S&P, on the NASDAQ. I mean, very, very steep trend lines. You can't even really draw a trend line, honestly, because there's no higher lows. It's just straight up. If you're to draw a line of what that straight up looks like, it's at about a 75 degree angle. And for context sake, a 45 degree angle is considered, you know, about as steep as you want to get to be able to sustain those kinds of moves over time. There's no pullback. It's beyond 45 degrees. And we have to look at it in the bigger context. Can this be sustained? If this is part of a much bigger multi-year rally that's going to go take place for the next one to two, maybe let's even be more aggressive, say three or four years. Will there not be other opportunities to get in and still make a king's ransom on the market? Yes, there will be. But if it's not, and you're getting in at this top here where there's been no pullback, where it's extremely overbought, I mean, historically overbought, some of the most overbought readings that I have seen in years. And for additional context, when it gets to the flip side, when we get this oversold, this is when I'm wanting to be a massive buyer in the market. Now, it's a little bit different. I don't want to necessarily be a massive shorter because the market can still go much, much higher because on one end, you have infinity. On the other end, you have zero. You know that the lowest ultimately a stock could ever go would be zero. To the upside, it's infinity. So I don't really want to get margin squeezed because I let a stock just run completely ape against me. So you have to be careful about shorting it. And then the bigger picture, if this is a market that can be sustained, there'll be plenty of opportunities to get long on the market. And that's what... It, Look, I, I'm not saying this because it's easy for me to say it. It's not. It's hard for me to even believe those words when I'm just seeing it go up every day. It's frustrating. I feel like I've had this like dull headache for the past two, three weeks, just being annoyed by the irrational behavior in the market. And I probably wouldn't have been that annoyed by the overall market had I been able to get long on it. And I think that I was never unwilling to get long on it, but 
under the conditions, under the circumstances. And it sounds a little bit excuse-driven, what I'm saying, but it is the honest engine explanation. That FOMC statement screwed it up for me. And when you see me on Twitter, I hate the Fed. I honestly despise everything about the Fed. And this is just another reason for me to hate them even more because they do these things. And if you're trying to be a little bit on the prudent side, and I admit too, I am a more conservative person when it comes to swing trading. There's a lot of people that are far more aggressive than me. I am looking to keep stop losses tight. I'm looking to maximize reward. I'm wanting to get that two to one on a regular basis. I don't like one to one trades. I like to get two to one, three to one on my swing trades. And so when I'm looking at that and I'm seeing like this last hour rally on, on the FOMC statement on November 1st and it just keeps taking off, I'm going to wait till the next day and then you get that freaking gap. <laughs> so it did make me irate. But I have to go back and look at the bigger picture. And the bigger picture suggests, look, Ryan, if this is going to be a major bottoming for the market following the three-month sell-off that we got <laughs> from July, August, and September, and or October, I guess it was like late July, right? Into late October. If that's the end of that sell-off, then there's going to be plenty of time to get long on the market again. That's just the way it usually works. So I have to tell myself, and it's not easy, like I said. And I meant to tell you guys this earlier, but if you take when I was talking about the communication sector, but if you take XLC, which includes Google and includes Meta and Netflix, and you take those out and you look at more of the traditional communication sector that I was talking about, where it's really just like your Verizon, your Disney, your Charter, your T-Mobile and AT&T, you're talking about a sector that's not up 48% on the year, but up 1%, 1%. So you get now why I say it's the FOMO 7, not the Magnificent 7. But because Jim Cramer is all proud of himself and you know gets to talk about it on CNBC, everybody runs with it. Analysts, let's talk about analysts for a second. One of the things, I don't know if a lot of people have picked up on this, and nobody's, you know what, nobody really is talking about it. I'm, I might be one of the few people that are talking about it, but one of the things that I noticed with analysts, they're lowballing every single earnings report. Why do you think that is? It's because they have huge positions. Why would they put a tough hurdle to clear on earnings reports if they're loaded to the gills on these big FOMO 7 stocks? You think they're going to give a tough estimate for Microsoft to clear? No. When do we ever actually look at the year-over-year -year revenues and the earnings? We don't look at that. We really just look at whether or not it beat. Oh, it beat top line. It beat the bottom. It was a double beat. But that's what we look at. We don't look at year-over-year -year declining revenues. If so, we would notice what's going on with Apple and their declining revenues. But yet we keep buying up Apple. Maybe if they say AI a few times, they can goose the stock price even higher. Sound familiar? Why would you put an aggressive estimate on a stock for earnings if you want them to go up, you wouldn't. So they lowball these things. They make it to where they just tippy toe over. They're not increasing their revenue estimates. And if they are, they're barely doing it. Look at NVIDIA. They're not really increasing. I posted a chart for that on Twitter the other day. Check it out. They're not really increasing the revenue estimates for them. So then when NVIDIA might be experiencing growth, and while NVIDIA is experiencing some growth, they're not really being challenged from the analysts. The analysts want them to keep going up so they can keep goosing their shares higher so that they look good to the people who are entrusting them to invest their money for them. And they're all in on it. And I'm not being conspiratorial. It's a, it's facts, guys. Look at their estimates. They're lowballing the crap out of all of these things. And so what I would recommend people to do is to ask yourself, when was the last time you looked at year-over-year -year estimates? And really look at whether or not these companies, from an earnings basis year-over-year, -year, or over five years, and from an earnings and from a revenue standpoint, look at whether or not they're increasing these. And the other thing I would recommend doing is checking out Swing Trading the Stock Market Dot com. This is the website that goes along with this podcast. With it, you're going to get all my stock market research each and every day, and you're supporting the podcast in the process. You're going to get videos galore, lots of good stuff on big tech. I just did one on whether or not there were some good trade setups in the housing market. So you're also going to get 
weekly watch lists on my bullish and bearish stocks, plus the, the stocks that I'm looking at each day for, to potentially trade. So really good stuff there. I highly recommend checking it out. I was a little irritated today, but sometimes this podcast is more therapeutic for me than I give it credit. Sometimes I get things off my chest and, you know, I've, as a trader, you're going to be right and you're going to be wrong at times. Sometimes it burdens you a little bit when you're wrong and it it annoys you. And, you know, I certainly, you know, get annoyed sometimes when you get these irrational moves in the market that just do do not seem justified by any means and really unexplainable in so many ways. So in any case, forgive me for that, but it, If you enjoyed this podcast too, I'd recommend you leave me a five-star review. I always do appreciate those. And keep sending me your questions, ryan at shareplanner.com. I do read them. I do try to make as many episodes as I can out of them, which is pretty much 99% of them, I would say. So keep sending them too. Thank you guys and God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePlanner trading block where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash trading block. That's www.shareplanner.com slash trading block. And follow me on SharePlanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at brian at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon.